Welcome to Rad Reading, a bookish podcast where the R stands for Refresh and the D stands for Discover, and where we try to help you do those two things for your reading life. I'm Ronnie Lauren, a best-selling romance author who likes her reading life to be big on variety and full of complicated characters. And I'm Dawn Alexander, an indie editor who never met a whodunit she didn't want to solve or an intricate plot she didn't want to untangle. We are two very different readers, but two very good friends who love to talk books. Join us as we tackle reading roadblocks, give our best bookish tips, and of course, recommend all the great reads that have kept us turning the pages that week. Let's get started. Welcome back to Rad Reading. I'm Ronnie. And I'm Dawn. And today we have one of our throwback kind of episodes, our read, watch, listen episode. So we were supposed to have a guest on. <laughs> Scheduling, man. It was just, it was a challenge. <laughs> yeah, we're discovering that we like having guests, but trying to get three people's schedules all lined up is um, quite a challenge. So the good news is we have lots and lots of things that we've been reading and listening to and watching that we have to share with you today. Um, but we are coming to you from book bonanza in the future right now. So yes, <laughs> we're going to be at a conference when this episode drops. So any of y'all who are at book bonanza today, come and say hi to us. Cause we'll be there. Yes. Come by, say hi. We're very friendly and book bonanza is a lot of fun. Yes. If you're ever want to go to a reading conference, book bonanza is usually every year, you know, COVID withstanding. Um, and you get to meet all kinds of authors and it's a lot of fun. There are games, there are lots of books, um, to be had. So check it out. But, um, and also this week was a big week for me because I have a new book out. So I'm really excited. Um, it's been a while since I had a book release. This is book three in the say everything series, but you can read this. Um, I try to write my books where you can pick up anyone and jump in at any point. So each book has a different couple in it. Um, but if you want to read all of them, the first one is Yes, and I Love You. So this one is the last in the series and it's contemporary romance. And if you would like to buy it, I would really love you. So everybody go buy it this week because first week sales are really, really important. <laughs> so that's how you get on list. You know, <laughs> you know, what would be a lot of fun is if everybody who buys for you and no one else this week, if you take a picture of it and tag us on Instagram or put it up on the Facebook page, we would love that. Yes, that would be amazing. You can also request it at your library. So they put it on their shelves if you prefer to do that as well. But just to give you, cause we do no ads on our podcast. We often forget, you know, that I write books and <laughs> forget to mention that. So this is going to be my quick little ad for my book. Um, here's about the book. I'm going to give you the back cover copy because we re- work really hard on these back cover copies, but Eliza Catalano has the perfect life. So what if it actually looks nothing like the story she tells online as a therapist, it's part of her job to look like she has all the answers, right? But when Eliza ends up as a viral worst date ever meme, everything in her Instagram filter world begins to crumble. Enter the most obnoxiously attractive man she's ever met and a bet she can't resist. If she swears off social media for six months, Bet Carter will teach her the wonders of surviving the real world. No technology, no dating apps, no pretty filters, no BS. It seems like the perfect deal. She can lay low until her sudden infamy passes, meet some interesting new people, and maybe even curate this experience into a how I quit the online dating racket book along the way. But something about Beck's raw honesty speaks to Eliza in ways she never expected. She knows he's supposed to be completely hands-off, but as complex feelings grow and walls come tumbling down, rough around the edges, Beck may be exactly what Eliza needs to finally truly face herself and decide who she really wants to be. So that is what it's about. And it says Beck, his name is Beckham, but on the back cover, they shortened his name. So she, call- <laughs> <laughs> she 
He was she, taking up too many letters. <laughs> yes. Really, that probably is actually the case because on the back of the book, you only have a certain number of uh, letters you can, or words you can put. So, um, but I'm really excited about this book because I was inspired to write it. Because if you follow me at all online, you know, I'm like fascinated by the tech sabbatical or like taking a break from your phone or what social media does to us. So I kind of took that idea, you know, reading all my deep work by Cal Newport books and all those things that Dawn makes fun of me for. <laughs> <laughs> and decided to make Eliza have to do this because she really does have a terrible date um, and it goes viral. So, and then Beckham is kind of the young guy with the old soul. So I typically don't write older woman, younger man. That's kind of a new thing um, for me. I feel like the only one was by the hour. Dawn has a better memory sometimes for my books. Than, yes. Yes. So normally I don't write that because I feel like as a woman of a certain age, younger guys are nice to look at sometimes, but I'm like, yeah, but they're babies. <laughs> they don't have the maturity <laughs> of a green pea. <laughs> so, you know, and I'm, I married a guy who's seven years older than me. So I'm in the reverse, but, um, but Beckham really is much more mature than his age. And, um, he's been through a lot and I'm not going to give what he's been through because that would be a spoiler. But if you have concerns about trigger warnings, the trigger warnings are right up there in the front. You can check them. Um, they are spoilery though. So you've been warned. Um, and then I have a secret favorite character in this book who they go to an animal shelter in the first chapter of the book for reasons. Um, and one of the characters that pops up there ends up being, you know, I think he steals the show, but, uh, so that is my book. If y'all want to buy it, it is called for you and no one else. And it came out on Tuesday, so it should be available everywhere. And I've heard really, really good things about the audiobook. So if you're an audiobook listener, um, my narrator has been the same through this whole series, and she is fantastic. Her name is Desiree Ketchum. So that is my pitch. Well, and if you're at Book Bonanza and you have Ronnie's book, you have to come by and see us and get it signed. Yes, please do, because we're going to be bored. Otherwise, if nobody comes and sees us, <laughs> people are going to come and see us. Book signings always sound glamorous, but book signings, like 80% of book signings, unless you're like John Grisham or Stephen King, is just like sitting and talking to the person that you came with and like playing with your pretty pins. So. Yes. And I take awesome pictures, just, you know, fan pictures. I take the yes. awesome pictures. Yes. So. so, all right. Well, that is um, the book that you need to go buy, obviously, this week. But we also have some other books that we have read and or listened to. Um, it's been a really good, June was a really good reading month for me. How about you, Dawn? her face. It was interesting. <laughs> Sometimes I wish this was a video podcast or, you know, because her face just now. <laughs> I will say mine was not as good as yours. I have a lot of awesome books that I read in June that I cannot talk about yet. And that y'all for somebody who talks as much as I do having these books that I'm like, it's three more months until it comes out. Um, but I did, I have some that I'm going to talk about today. Some were not necessarily what I wanted them to be, mm -hmm. but they were still good reads. So we'll, we'll get to that. Okay. Well, my first one I'm going to talk about is one that I mentioned in last episode, but I wasn't finished it yet. So I couldn't like give it a full out endorsement yet. Cause you never know. Sometimes books don't stick the landing. Right. Um, but this is the impossible us by Sarah lots. Um, it ended up being a fantastic read. So I will warn you, this one took me a little while to get hooked. I almost, almost put it down. So I had to get to like the 25% mark to kind of get the feel for the voice. It's set in the UK. So it has a little bit of a different tone um, than a typical romance. And it, it just took me a while to kind of like understand um, what they were trying to do. So 
give it some time as, as much as we tell you to DNF, give this one maybe to like 25%. Um, but B and Nick are the characters and they find each other by accident via a misdirected email. So they accidentally get somebody's email. They start chatting just completely online and they really seem to have a connection. So obviously what's the next step they're going to meet. Right. But when they go to the train station to meet up, they can't find each other. B tells him I'm on platform 22. And he's like, there is no platform 22. She thinks he's like messing with her and really didn't show up. And it's just a terrible dating story. Um, but soon they realize that there are more discrepancies than that in the things that they discuss in their emails and they figure out, oops, they're living in different versions of the universe. It is a multiverse book. So he's in a parallel universe in Nick's timeline. The world has become much more eco-friendly, um, in his world, Gore won the election. Um, but there were also things like bisectomy subsidies to control population. So it's not like all shiny and stuff, but it's different. And then B lives in the world as we know it. Um, so when they realize that they're in these different worlds and can't get to each other, they, you know, use logic and say, well, other versions of ourselves must exist in the, in your universe. There must be a B out there and you, there must be a Nick for you. So they go look for the doppelgangers in their own world and try to like strike up relationships with them. But I'm not going to give more than that because things go on from there, but it was such an interesting book and really well done. The characters were great. I was able to follow the science of it, which sometimes can be tricky and multiverse things like they did a good job of that. And it ultimately is a love story. So I was a little worried because and I'm, when I say love story, I do mean romance, but I was worried because the way it was written wasn't like a typical rom- romance. So I was like, if, if this is going to end sadly, I'm going to be real pissed. <laughs> so that's why last episode I was like, so far, so good. But I may um, have gotten some text about that <laughs> if she was getting to that ending. Yes. I was like, cause it really do, does make you wait until the very end <laughs> to find out, are we going to be okay? You're okay. So my romance readers, you're okay, but um, I'm not going to tell you how they're okay, but I like that it had a more realistic feel and that it wasn't like kind of that shiny polish of rom-coms. I do like that sometimes in rom-coms, but this had a more just like earthy. These are people you really could imagine knowing and all of that. Um, it is UK based. So it has a little bit of a different feel and, um, yeah, uh, that was The Impossible Us by Sarah Lotz. And it is almost 500 pages. So be warned, it did read quickly, but it was worth the read and worth the time that I put into it. So that 25%, I told you, you have to read a good bit <laughs> to get to yes. 25%. So it is a commitment, but I did really like it. So that is mine. Dawn, what did you had one that you mentioned last episode too that you hadn't finished? What's that one? Yes, I was, I had mentioned this strictly off the blurb because I was about to go on a trip and I really wanted to read this book. And I got also excited because I got it like, literally like as I was leaving, it was like, hey, this is available for you. And that is Breathless by Amy McCulloch. And it is the story of, just to give a quick review, it is the story of a journalist who is an experienced mountain climber. And she has the opportunity to do a story on a renowned mountain climber who is trying to break a world record by climbing one of the eighth tallest mountains in the world or something like that. And so her job kind of depends on her getting the story. And he's only willing to give her the story if she makes it to the summit. So if she completes the mountain climb, he will give her the story. So she's on this trip and this is one of those list of places Dawn will never be. Right. <laughs> um, but he, she goes on this, this trip and 
the premise of the story, which I thought was fabulous, is people start dying. And we know how I like it when people start dying in my books. <laughs> right. So people start dying and there's this whole, they're not being killed by the mountain. So what's happening? And so I was super excited to read it. And it is very well written. It's very well written. The According to the author note at the end, the author herself has made this climb. Hmm minus all the murdering right. and so so we as, as far as we know <laughs> as far as we know yes so it's very authentic and you feel like you're there I did get a little bogged down in all the mountain climbing information just because I wanted a dead body right I was like okay yes we're climbing I get it we're climbing could we kill somebody I'd really appreciate it if you would kill somebody <laughs> but it's quite deeply atmospheric and really a good journey into how would you survive that and of course in my mind I'm thinking why does anyone want to do this right I'm gonna sit at the bottom of the mountain and be like "Ooh, pretty I'm not going up there so as I said it was really well written and my disappointment with it is I pretty much figured out the killer very early on mm. To the point I was hoping it was going to be somebody else. Right. Like I was hoping that this is just a red herring. So if you like a steady build rather than a super fast paced thriller and you're looking for something a little different, I would still recommend it. Mm -hmm. I would still pick up other things by this author. I just needed it to move a little quicker. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think sometimes when somebody is an expert in something, it can almost be it's a blessing and a curse when you're the writer and you have all that information because you feel like I have all this information. I can make it super authentic, but sometimes readers don't need as much information as that on the technical aspects. So I, yeah, I've read books like that and I've, I've had myself edited sometimes with like mental health stuff because that's my background of like, we don't need all of this explanation. So yeah, but well, I'm sorry. It was kind of a want want <laughs> for you. Cause I know you're yeah, excited I, about I it. Would- I would still recommend it. I just, it wasn't what I was expecting it to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have one of those two. <laughs> my, my next one is Defending Jacob by Philip Landay. Um, this was recommended to me and it has like great reviews. It was named the best book of the year by Entertainment Weekly. There's like a TV show, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I kind of hated it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Which, and we try not to do negative reviews. Right. Right. Yeah. So I have feelings. Okay. <laughs> It will be the right book for a lot of people. So that's why I'm talking about it. Because if I just hated it because it was like bad writing or something, then I probably wouldn't bring it to the show. But because I feel like a lot of other people would like this if they like certain things, then, you know, so I'm going to share my feelings about it and you can judge how you want. Um, But about the book, it's um, assistant DA Andy Barber's life is going pretty well. He's married. He has a teen son named Jacob. Um, But when another student is found murdered and Jacob becomes the prime suspect, Everything falls apart and something Andy had kept hidden in his background comes to light. Andy believes Jacob is innocent and is about to do everything he can to prove that and protect him. So my thoughts, um, first, I think it's important to learn as a reader. So one of our reading lessons, um, is what kind of premises just don't work for you. So sometimes there's just a type of book or a type of premise that pushes the wrong button. And through this book and me reading The Push by Ashley Audrain, I've learned that the premise of, is this kid a bad seed? Was he born evil? 
um, that nature versus nurture premise just doesn't work for me. So this might be because I have a background in, you know, therapy and mental health. And I don't want to live in a world that people are born evil. Like mm-hmm. I went into a field that's supposed to help people, you know, get through mental health challenges. And I know that some things like personality disorders are pretty hard to change things like that, but I don't want to think an infant comes into the world as a bad seed, unless we're in a horror movie, if we're in a horror movie (laughs) and there's a supernatural element to it, you know, the devil impregnated the mom and Rosemary's baby or something like, okay, I'll go with you with that. That's supernatural. But if it's just, is this kid inherently evil, that back and forth doesn't work for me. So going in with that premise, I should have known as soon as I saw that that was what was going on. Was that question? I was, I should have just put it down, but I kept going because the author wrote it well enough that it hooked me that I still wanted to know what happened. Did this kid do it? Is he really bad? All of that stuff. Um, But no one was likable. The main character was DA and he did things that I will, if you DM me, I'll tell you, but did things that like were shocking to to me of with evidence and just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't go along with them. I don't care, you know, how much you love your kid. Like I just couldn't go along with it, but I couldn't sympathize with him. And that is hard for me to get through a book when, you know, I can't sympathize with anybody. Um, and this was written, you know, back in 2013, there is a TV show that's new. So I was like, looking forward to like reading this and watching the TV show. And now I'm like, well, not doing that, but I should have probably just watched the TV show. <laughs> Um, but the other thing that bothered me in this book was now this was written in 2013. And as a writer, I can tell you norms have changed really quickly and what's okay to say in books and what's not okay to say books. Like I'm a little afraid of something I might've said in a book that I wrote in 2012, that might not sound, that might not read as well now. So I'm giving him that, that it's 2013, but almost every female character in this book, their weight was described in like a derogatory way. And I'm talking like lard ass, muffin top, a tumescent belly. I was making like notes in my phone. Cause I'm like, <laughs> it was so off-putting. Um, and then his wife was described as like overly emotional and that kind of dismissive way that men do mm-hmm. that women are just hysterical. Um, so it made me like wince each time, even like a poor teenage, like uh, this teenage girl who was minding her own business. He like talked about her muffin top and I'm like, she's like 15. Like, can we can we not do that? Um, and then the ending made me real mad, y'all. It made me real, it's, real mad. <laughs> I, I can verify that, that, <laughs> that there was some rage coming through my text messages. Yeah. So I hate, you know, giving the negative review on a book because I, I really do, but it has a 4.4 rating on Amazon. There is a TV show made of it. I am not going to hurt his sales. You know, people love the it's book. It's a book for somebody. Somebody yes. would love it. Yes. So evidently if- the bird loves it because <laughs> he's screaming about it in the background. If that premise intrigues you, that whole nature versus nurture, that is what the question is through the whole book. So if that is something that's one of your buttons um, that you like, then this might be the book for you. Maybe check out a couple episodes of the show um, and see if the premise you know works for you. And they might've changed things in the show. So maybe the show yes. fixed some of the stuff. Um, but yeah, so that was defending Jacob by Philip Landay. And it was definitely a womp womp for me. So, well, and I think it's interesting because we didn't plan this mm-hmm. that because we normally don't even talk about which books we're going to talk about before other than right. just, we generally talk about books, but the one that I'm about to talk about had that one little thing in it too, mm. that I really wanted to love this book. And I'm talking about Give Me More by Sarah Kate. And we've 
my Sarah Kate obsession has been well documented (laughs) in this podcast. Her books are super spicy. There's tons of emotion in them. And the relationships aren't always for everyone because sometimes there's kind of a taboo relationship going on. But, and I was dying for this book. This was one of those, I had the release date marked on my calendar. It was ready to go down on my Kindle. I was set. And because this is Drake's story. Mm-hmm. And if you follow the Salacious Players Club series, you know who Drake is. He makes an appearance in the other two books. And I really wanted to know Drake's story because he's in um, Praise and uh, Eyes on Me. So Drake is Hunter's best friend. Hunter is another character that shows up. Drake is Hunter's best friend. And so by default, he is best friends with Hunter's wife, Isabel. And they've all kind of grown up together and they went through some really rough times together. And he's very much involved with them. And he's also very much a player. Like he's a huge flirt in the other books. They're always like redirecting him away from other people's girlfriends, that kind of thing. And so this is the story of what happens when Hunter decides he wants to act on the fantasy of seeing his wife with someone else. Mm. And so he asked Drake to be that someone else. Mm -hmm. First of all, this is evidently called hot wifing. I have never heard of this. (laughs) But I'm like, that's an interesting term. Former erotic romance writer. I've heard of it, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've read a book with that premise though. I don't think I've read a book with it. I hadn't heard of it. So the book itself is really well done and super, super hot sex scenes, tons of angst because it's this whole idea of what happens to our relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, once you cross that line, what happens to our relationship? And I absolutely adore Drake and I absolutely wanted to smack Hunter, not in a good way. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to like, just take a book and whack him upside the head <laughs> with it because dude, Um, So I would absolutely recommend this book for fans of the series because it is Drake. And if you've read the other two books, you do want to know his story. It's not going to be a favorite of hers for me because of some spoilery reasons that I don't want to say. But there was one little part of the character arc and how it was handled. I think disappointed is the best word I can come up with for it. Mm -hmm. And I've read some of the reviews and I know that some other people share my opinion on it, including evidently the bird who will not (laughs) shut up. So all the trigger warnings, which if you know Sarah Cates, you know, you need to have all the trigger warnings anyway. And if you're interested in the one little part that didn't work for me, as you said, hit me up on social media. I'm happy to tell you what bothered me about it. And it's not, it won't spoil the whole story, mm-hmm. but it is well written. I definitely would con- continue to pick up her books. There was just that one little thing that yeah. didn't work for me. I think it's really tough, especially in a series when you have a favorite character and you're waiting for their book and the expectation is so high and then you get there and you're like, it wasn't the story you wanted for them. That's, that can be tough. There's a lot of, a lot of pressure on it, that, that author for that character, but yes. Um, so those are our in print or ebook books that we've read um, this month. Now we're going to move to our listen Rex, which sometimes these are podcast episodes and things, but today we have all audiobooks. Um, and my first one is true crime. So it's trailed one woman's quest to solve the Shenandoah murders. And it's by Catherine miles. This is on hoopla. So if you have hoopla with your library, the audiobook is available there and the audio was done well. Um, but first like Dawn is never going mountain climbing. I'm never going camping. 
So this book has, you know, I knew that already. I would say I'm, I'm pretty anti-camping in general, but this just confirmed my worst fears of like, yes, there is actually a killer hiding in the woods waiting for yes. you to go to sleep and murder you. Yes. Um, I can tell you from my experience watching true crime shows and there is an absolutely terrifying unsolved mysteries from the eighties. Hmm. Camping's never been on my list either. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the story, this is true. So the story is in May of 1996, a couple, Lolly Winans and Julie Williams, decide to go camping in Virginia, Shenandoah National Park. But after a few days when the couple doesn't return as planned, people go looking for them and find a brutal scene. Both women are murdered. Um, the book follows journalist Catherine Miles' investigation into the crime. So the author is kind of going back and seeing like, because it was never solved, um, what really happened and, you know, trying to figure out new clues. So um, the book did a really good job of delving into dis- different aspects of the story, not just the specific crime. So she really went into like the unique challenges that women face when they want to do things like camping. Like we do have to think about lots of other things that guys don't necessarily think about it. Ha- we have to take extra safety precautions and women are m- much more um, victims of crime in every situation, but in camping situations and outdoor stuff, they are higher, you know, victims of crime. And so there was an extra layer of discrimination that these women also faced because um, they were two women in a couple. So they're part of the LGBT community, especially in the nineties, you know, mm-hmm. that was even tougher. Um, so it really did a good job of, the book kind of went into all of those aspects, like women camping and the LGBT aspects, and also these women's, their individual lives and, you know, why um, this was such a tragedy. So I will say, don't go into this one expecting like a big reveal on, you know, it was, it was solved because it isn't. Um, But they have thought it was a certain person for most of the time. Like they kind of couldn't convict that person, but they thought it, but the author did a good job of identifying someone else who she thinks is the likely um, perpetrator. So there was that true crime aspect, but it is not like, you know, here is the person that did it. There is no right. um, wrapped up ending. So if you need that in your true crime, this won't get it. But I really did um, think this was kind of a different take from your typical um, true crime story. So that is trailed by Catherine Miles. Well, and that's interesting because I have a friend who I absolutely adore, but I don't fully understand because she likes this camping thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And she recently had an experience where she decided to go camping alone Mm. and had somebody make her feel extremely uncomfortable under the guise of checking on her. Oh, creepy. Oh, of like, I see you're here alone. You know, are you good? Are you okay? And it made her extremely uncomfortable. So that's something that hasn't changed. Those challenges are still there. Yeah. That gives me anxiety just thinking about it. Like being alone in the woods and then some dude, oh no, I can't read. I read and watch too much true crime. (laughs) So I'm not even walking a trail during the day by myself. Right. Yes. (laughs) No. Mm -mm. Um, Unless I have a giant dog with me. Although this couple, they had a German shepherd with them and the German shepherd does make it out alive. So for those of you who can't do, you know, um, animal stuff, but the dog does escape and is okay. But, um, okay. My next one is not true crime, but it is suspense. This is, this book was everywhere. So you've probably heard of it, but it's called the last thing he told me by Laura Dave. Um, this, I think this was probably last year that this book was huge. You'll recognize the cover if you see it probably, cause it was all over target and everywhere, but, um, I wasn't really interested in reading it until I read her other book, hello sunshine, which I talked about in a previous episode, that was a women's fiction book, but her, which I had 
I liked reading, but had some issues with the voice in it. And I was like, this voice would fit better in suspense. So I said, okay, well, she wrote a suspense now. So let me go read that. And it was, it did fit um, better in this format. So, um, and I did listen to this in audio. So these are all audiobooks we're talking about and it was good in audio. But the premise of this one is Hannah's married to Owen and she's the new wife. So they've been married for a year. The marriage seems to be going well, but her relationship with his 16 year old daughter, Bailey is chilly. Like Bailey's just not really interested in forming a relationship with Hannah. Hannah's trying. Um, but then after this like financial scandal breaks at her husband's company, he doesn't come home. And instead someone shows up with a note for Hannah that just says, protect her. And Hannah knows it's from Owen and she knows that it's about his daughter. So she realizes going through this, you know, the story that her husband isn't who he said he was and figuring out who he actually is may hold the key in protecting Bailey from danger. So she and Bailey set out like on a mission to find out and they're, the book is set in Sausalito, California, but they go like on this mission in Austin, Texas. So most of it's in Austin. So my thoughts on the book, I got through it really quickly. It was a page turner and just like Hello Sunshine, like I got the through that one really quickly. Her pacing is really, really good. Um, I kind of hated the ending. However, um, do you ever have one of those books where like the journey was still fun, even though you didn't like the destination? Like, yeah, I know exactly what you mean there. Yeah, this definitely was that. So I wasn't sorry I read it. It wasn't like Defending Jacob where I was like, that was the end and I wanted to you know, throw the book and text <laughs> on. Um, I, I wasn't sorry I read this. I enjoyed the process. So the ending wasn't where I wanted it to go, um, but I was okay. Like it wasn't, I wasn't mad. I was just like, oh, I really wish it would have gone this direction. And that might just be writer me being like, I right. done this and this and this, you know, we're obnoxious that way <laughs> when we read books. Um, but I will say if you need like super realistic stuff in your books, you have to suspend a lot of disbelief in this one. So, um, the investigating that this inexperienced woman and a 16 year old accomplished, like the things that they find out with their sleuthing, uh, without getting arrested or killed is kind of hard to believe, but I'm, I'm not a person that needs that. So I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. They can go do this. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm going with you. It's cool. Um, but ultimately this story is even though it has suspense in it, it's more about Hannah and Bailey's relationship development. So the characterization for me really worked. Um, But yeah, that was the the last thing he told me by Laura Dave. Well, and I know I have this one on my TBR. Mm -hmm. I remember when it was everywhere. I haven't got to it yet, but I know I have it. I think I'm trying to think Dawn reading this. Okay, so... You wouldn't love so much of the character stuff. And I think you are someone who needs more of the realistic, like, oh, sure, they're doing this investigation and not getting killed. So I don't know. It would be an interesting read to see how you felt about it, because I feel like you might be texting me like, really, really, they they could go and do this with a 16 year old. (laughs) So anyway, all right, with Dawn, what's your next one? Well, the one I've been listening to on audio, because I'm starting to come around to audiobooks. Awesome. I'm starting when we started this, I was absolutely not against audiobooks. I just didn't ever listen to them, but mm-hmm. I've started to Ronnie's evil plan for world domination <laughs> is working here. So I was, have been listening to the sorority murder by Alison Brennan, and I am an Alison Brennan fan. So mm-hmm. I knew that I was going to like this probably going in. And I started listening to it on a road trip. I was driving a couple of hours to meet a friend 
And you know, that's a great time to listen to a story about a woman disappearing <laughs> when you're driving all alone. It's, it's fabulous. Mm-hmm. So this is, first of all, I really like this narrator. It's narrated by Amy McFadden and she sounds very much just like somebody who's telling you a story. Mm-hmm. She does vary her voices a little bit for the characters, but mostly it just sounds like somebody telling you a story. This is the story of Candace and Candace is in a sorority. They're at a sorority function she gets into an argument with another girl and leaves and disappears for a week and then is found dead in a lake. Mm. And you find out very quickly, this isn't spoilers, you find out very quickly she was killed within like 24 hours of being found dead in the lake. So this question is, where was she during that week? And it is fast forwarded three years, the um, murder still isn't solved. And there is a student who, as his capstone project, he is doing a podcast trying to solve this murder. So he's creating the podcast, trying to create new interests, trying to get people to call in. He ends up teaming up with a former U.S. Marshal. And it's really kind of interesting because the book repeats itself. That's working out well for me because I'm listening to it in, I'm, I'm not finished with it. I should say that I haven't fully finished it. I'm really enjoying what I've read so far, but I'm not fully finished with it. I am pretty sure I know where it's going to end up. I'm about the 50 ish percent mark. And I'm pretty sure. So Ronnie may get a frustrated text, <laughs> but what's interesting about it is because I'm listening to it in pieces Every time he does the podcast, he reviews all the clues for you. Hmm. So he's like, okay, now remember, she was last seen on this day. Her card was last used to get into the dorm on this day. And then he's adding the clues that he's gotten from the podcast. So I feel like I'm getting a refresher every time I turn it back on. I can see where if I was reading this all in one setting, I might start skimming over that. So, so far it's good. So far it's interesting the U.S. Marshal is kind of guiding him mm-hmm. through how do you ask these questions? And he will go to her and be like, this person contacted me. And she's like, okay, you need to ask them this, this, and this. What about this over here? And that's kind of interesting seeing like, it's kind of like a how-to guide of how to investigate a murder. Right. <laughs> so that part has been good. I will update once I get to the end because I have fully intend to finish it. If it turned out the way I thought it was and what I think of it overall, but that's what I've been listening to. Yeah. I think the repetitive stuff is probably okay in audio because it's easy to miss things in audio. Like for me, like uh-huh. mysteries and stuff are a little harder to listen to in audio. Cause I'm like, Oh, did I miss a clue? But yeah, if you're reading the book, you would skim just do. Yes. Yeah. So um, my next one is nonfiction. It is an essay collection called I'll show myself out essays on midlife and motherhood by Jesse Klein. So she reads it herself in the audio and she does a good job. Um, I wasn't familiar with Jesse Klein, but she's apparently a TV writer and a podcaster. Um, I picked it up because I'm, I'm just a sucker for essays about midlife. <laughs> so, you know, 42, here we are. Um, but the back cover says um, in interconnected essays, like listening to Beyonce in the parking lot of Party City, your husband will remarry <laughs> in five minutes after you die, eulogy for my feet and an open love letter to Nate Burkus and Jeremiah Brent. Klein explores a stage of life and all its cruel ironies, joyous moments, and bittersweetness. So I'm reading that section of the back cover because that gives you an idea of the tone of the book, like mm-hmm. listening to Beyonce in the parking lot of Party City. Uh, you know, me would be like listening to Taylor Swift in the parking lot of like the Sprouts. Right. <laughs> so that, <laughs> but, um, 
So they're funny. Um, they're really easy to listen to. Now I didn't realize going in cause it, it is, it does say essays on midlife and motherhood in my head as a midlife person, when I think motherhood, I think teenagers, you know, in midlife, right. but she had a baby later in life. So she's talking about early motherhood, like the baby years to like five. Um, so some of the parenthood essays, um, would have been better for me 10 years ago. Cause you know, my kid's 14. Also, they were slightly triggering. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling. I don't want to go back there. I can't, I can't go back. Um, so those didn't resonate with me as much, even though some of them were really funny. Um, you know, she talks about like potty training and having to leave the kid with no diaper and you're supposed to stay home with them just in a t-shirt all day. And I'm like, <laughs> and then the kid would only go in the plastic potty, but wouldn't go in any other potty anywhere else. So I'm like, yeah, I don't miss those years. I, you know, at all, <laughs> but I'm perfectly happy with my 14 year old. Um, but the midlife focused essays were really great. And I really could relate to them, you know, like the eulogy for her feet when she's trying to keep her feet <laughs> smooth and perfect and wonderful. And like our feet at 40 are just, you know, they're a challenge. Yeah, their feet. <laughs> yes. No, ain't nobody want to see that. Yeah. yeah. No, no. But if you're looking for a listen that you can kind of dip in and out of, you know, and just listen to one essay here or there, you know, I was telling my husband about the, your husband will remarry five minutes after you die. <laughs> I was like explaining the whole thing to him. Cause it's kind of true. Men need a wife, but when women lose a husband, they're kind of like, okay, well I'll, I'll be okay on my own. <laughs> I'm just going to like, I'm done. Do my own thing. Um, New ones are so hard to train, right? (laughs) Put so much work in these other ones. They hopefully they stay around for a long long time. Um, But yeah, so it's not kid friendly. So don't listen to this one in the car with your kids there. Um, But if you're looking just for something to laugh and kind of relate to it's I'll show myself out um, by Jesse Klein. All right. And I think that wraps up our listens. And now we're to the watches. Yes. This is Dawn's favorite category. So and we, we get to talk about what I've been waiting to talk about. Go for it, Dawn. Maverick. <laughs> it was so good. So, so good. It really was. And me and Dawn tend to have differences in movies because she's very action movie, superhero oriented. And I'm very kind of like character driven. So this one worked for me too. So I was, I went in reluctant, not reluctant. I went in tentative because I love Top Gun. So I'm like, you know, it's nothing lives up to the original and blah, 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 all those things. But like, they did a really good job. Yes. Everybody I have talked to who has seen it, loved it. It's got so many nods to the original Mm -hmm. in it. And, but it's still a good story on its own. Yeah. I would say go watch the first one first though. So you children out there who have not watched Top Gun yet, watch that first and then go see Maverick. My husband and I went and saw it, just the two of us, which is rare because usually in, we'd make movies family events. Mm-hmm. So my husband and I went and saw it, came home, and he immediately looked at our 19-year-old son and was like, okay, so your assignment for this <laughs> week is you have to watch the original Top Gun, and then we're going back. Yeah. And then, so he did that. He watched it with his friends, and then him and my husband went and saw it again. So, so good. You just need to go see it. What did your son think? He loved it. Okay. He was like, that was awesome. And he doesn't have like, I've seen Top Gun probably 20 times in my mm-hmm. lifetime. He doesn't have that connection to it. He saw sure. the first one and then saw the, the second one, but it is extremely well done. And there's, there was one moment that I will just warn everybody who is, you know, our age, mm-hmm. who grew up with this, you're going to need some tissues. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's done really well. So, yes. you know, but yeah, there, there is a tearjerker moment. Um, no, I really liked it. And it is one that if you can see it in the theater, go see it in the theater because the sound Absolutely. of those planes, like the surround sound and everything was really worth it. Um, that's, you know, the kind of movie you really want to see. That's why he held it. I'm sure Tom Cruise held this movie before the yes. pandemic for so long, because it really is one you want to see in a theater. Yeah. You need that, that seat vibrating yes. when those planes start taking off. Yeah. It 100%. was awesome. Yeah. Absolutely that's two thumbs awesome. up from me and my husband as well. Um, my first watch is something that approximately, I think 3.2 million people have told me I needed to watch like over and over again. So I have finally watching Ted Lasso. Um, and those people were right. So my husband and I, we watch TV before bed, but most of the time we're watching something with my son first. So we watch Jeopardy and we watch sitcoms or whatever. And then my son goes to bed and me and my husband have probably about a half an hour of still awakeness and not, you know, but it's very brief very brief and so we need something that doesn't require like mental gymnastics to watch and that's just kind of lighthearted. this is perfect um we're only about halfway through the first season but the sheer positivity of the character is like a joy so ted lasso is this football like kind of low level football coach in america and he gets called over to england to coach a soccer team like a premier league soccer team because the person who owned it, the guy who owned it gets a divorce and his woman or his, his wife gets the team in the divorce and she wants to tank it. So that's yeah. like the thing her husband loved most and he cheated on her and stuff. So she wants to just annihilate it. So she's like, I'm going to grab this guy who knows nothing about soccer and he's going to come in and just run this into the ground. But Ted Lasso is like Mr. Positivity. Those of you who listen, do we talk about the strength finders test. Sometimes there's a strength called positivity. He is definitely number one positivity. So He's just going to go and he's like, I don't know about soccer, but we're going to learn it. Coaching is coaching and any kind of setback. He always has like the positive side to it. And he's just a delight. And the woman at the head of it is just, she can't like, she's so angry and like hurt by her husband. And, you know, she just doesn't know what to do with this guy. Who's like bringing her cookies and like, oh, so nice to her every time and always has like the bright side. So it's really funny. It's quirky. We laugh out loud with it. Um, so if you just need like a feel good watch, um, before bed and you haven't watched it, like everybody else in the world has apparently watched it already. Um, that is Ted Lasso. So Dawn, have you watched that one? I have not. And I'm, I'm feeling, yeah, I'm, I have had so many clients recommend this to me. And then every time I'm like, oh, I haven't seen there. They're like, oh my gosh, how have you not seen this? Mm -hmm. So I think we need to add that to our, to our, to watch list because I've heard great things about it. And like, I mean, we're a big sports family anyway, so yeah. I have not seen Yeah, it. My husband loves it. So it's, it's definitely husband friendly and even your, your kids would probably like it. It's just, it's a delight. <laughs> well, and so I'm going with the 3.2 million people have also seen this <laughs> probably more, but it is the complete opposite of Ted Lasso. And that is, I am absolutely obsessed with Stranger Things. Mm. And I'm emotionally preparing myself today because the day that we are recording this is the day the finale is coming out. Mm. And it's actually, I guess it came out at midnight last night. So I have been avoiding social media all day mm -hmm. because my child has to work until five and I'm waiting to watch it. We're going to watch it tonight. But if you have been living under a rock and you have not watched <laughs> Stranger Things, I highly suggest it. And it's, and it's horror. And we know how mm -hmm. uh, we know that Dawn is a big fat chicken. <laughs> and there are still some moments, I will admit there was some, there was a particular thing that gave me nightmares. 
I mm-hmm. fully admit that. But the first of all, it takes place in the 80s. And they work very, very hard to get all the 80s-ness right. Mm-hmm. And I love that, especially the hair. The <laughs> There's four seasons out. And as the seasons progress, this one character's mother's hair changes with each mm-hmm. each season. And I'm like, okay, whoever is doing your costuming is amazing. But they have this great relationship. It kind of has it Stephen King's it vibes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as far as there's these great relationship between these kids who are trying to battle this evil. Right. And it is scary. There are some, I would not let a little kid watch it, but you get very drawn into the intensity of it. And you get very drawn into invested in these characters, which is why I'm not sure I'm emotionally ready for the finale. So that is what we have been watching. It is not something I would suggest watching right before bed because we we have watched some when we have binge watched seasons. We've watched it until like 1030 at night or whatever. And then I'm like, okay, we have to watch something else. Yeah. I need something else in my brain before I go to sleep tonight. Yeah. Yeah. We watched, I want to say we watched the first season, maybe the second season and we loved it. And we just like, you know how it happens. You just like lose it in between seasons. So we need to go back and do a rewatch and catch up. Um, cause obviously I love horror. So, you know, that's right up my alley and all that 80s stuff too, for sure. Um, my next one is also retro, but it's the new Elvis movie. And I don't need to tell you what it's about. It's about Elvis, obviously. Um, but I'm just going to tell you to go see it. So it is fantastic. You guys like fantastic storytelling. The acting is outstanding. The guy is beautiful. <laughs> which makes real, it all worth it right he's there. really pretty and I found out after I watched it that he actually sings some of the early Elvis stuff in the movie and I mean I couldn't tell like I thought that was dubbed in um but he does such an amazing job of playing the character and the way they frame it is it's from sort of from the manager's point of view the guy who managed Elvis and kind of was his you know kind of took him down as well it was he was not the greatest guy but that was the perspective it took. And I thought that was a really interesting way um, to go about it, but it was just, I mean, I saw it with my husband and my parents and all of it in my kid and all of us were just like completely wowed by it. So even if you're not like a huge Elvis fan, you can't help, but like just be swept into the way they did the story. So I will warn you that it is like two and a half hours long, buy a big popcorn and plan your pee breaks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it is a Baz Luhrmann movie. And so if you don't know who Baz Luhrmann is, he did like that Romeo plus Juliet with Leonardo DiCaprio back in the Mm -hmm. 90s. And um, he did Strictly Ballroom, I think is the other one. But he's got like this really loud, colorful, kind of weird style. Um, So I was a little nervous going in because of that, because sometimes that works for me and sometimes it doesn't. But the beginning felt like weird. And I was like, oh, no, this is we're going to be all like quirky and weird. But it settles into the story really quickly. And it was, I mean, Oscar winning kind of fantastic. So everybody go see Elvis and then come tell me how much you loved it. Well, and speaking of quirky and weird, <laughs> so my next recommendation is the Bob's Burgers movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of had a really weird week in that my husband and I went and saw Maverick. And then like two nights later, the whole family went and saw Bob's Burgers. 
So those, I think, are the two ends of that spectrum. Mm -hmm. So we watch Bob's Burgers as a family. And if you're familiar with the series, the movie is a lot of fun because it's everything you want it to be. It's got all the little private little jokes in it. And it's really cool. I thought it was really cool seeing it on the big screen. Mm -hmm. And I do have one of my kids is majoring in animation. So he was very fascinated by it. If you're not familiar with the series, I don't know that you would enjoy it quite as much. It is a cute movie, but you're not going to get all the jokes. Yeah. Yeah. So you should just start watching the TV show. You should just start watching the TV show. But what was great about this is because we have watched it for a long time as a family, it was one of those shows that we would be like, okay, everybody come in. We're going to watch, you know, two episodes of Bob's Burgers to get my kids out of their rooms, especially during the, the height of the pandemic. And so it was just kind of like a comfort thing. Oh, yeah. And like all the different characters that would come on and be like, we'd be like nudging each other, like, oh, you know, so mm-hmm. I recommend it. You could probably do as well just waiting on it to come out on streaming and not go see it in the theater. But I wanted to see it on the big screen. There's no, it's not like Maverick where you want to, there's no seat rumbling going on. <laughs> right. Well, my next one is um, based on a book. So I'm tying this one together with the book because I actually finished the book last night. So I can give a thumbs up to both the book and the TV show. Um, nice. This is The Summer I Turn Pretty by Jenny Han or Han probably. Um, and it's on Amazon Prime as a series. It's a new series, but an older book. So um, if you like YA, so I'm, I'm prefacing this because it is not like, this is not adult romance, you guys. This is, purely like teen romance but on the faded mates podcast that we sometimes talk about um the host jen and sarah talk about books speaking to your id um Mm -hmm. that we all have those certain tropes that just push our perfect buttons and that trope of awkward teen turns pretty and now all the boys who ignored her are vying for attention is like deeply seated in my id (laughs) like that is like a deep button that i it, it always pushes that button for me so And this book and this TV series like lit up all of those buttons. So this is probably psychologically because I was ignored by all the boys in my high school. And uh, I went to work at a grocery store when I turned 16, the summer I turned 16. And like all three of my managers asked me out, but they were all like 19. So apparently I was just so mature that it took an older man to appreciate, but Anyway, so I think I have that background. Dawn does not because she was obviously pretty unpopular and she was already there at 16. But this book talks about Isabel, um, who everyone calls Belly. And so sometimes when there's names in books, y'all, I'm like, really, that's the name we're going with. So at first I was like, Belly, but then I thought about it. And you know, sometimes those ridiculous like childhood names stick, like that Mm -hmm. is realistic. So my mom has an aunt sister and an uncle brother because those two people were called sister and brother. And so when they grew up, they were still called that. So yeah, it sounds like she's been inbred with aunt sister and uncle brother. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, so I'm going with belly. And now that I've watched the series and read the book, I'm like, that's her name. So it fits. But um, the, the premise is every summer since she was little, belly goes to cousins beach to stay at the beach house with her mom, her brother, her mom's best friend, and that her best friend's two sons who are Conrad and Jeremiah. So Belly's had a crush on Conrad, the older one since like forever, you know, since she's like 11. Um, But he's older and he's always seen her as like this little kid and, you know, teases her and all of that stuff. So, but the summer she turned 16, um, hence the title, the summer I turned pretty, everything changes. And now she has more than one boy looking at her that way. So 
this is like the perfect summary read. Like she really evokes the beach and all those things of, you know, your, your feet being sandy and like the crap that you eat when you're on a beach vacation, you know, they're mm-hmm. eating fruit roll-ups and popsicles and all of these things. And it really kind of brings you back to that childhood feeling. Um, it's been sit. I had bought the book six years ago. So it's been sitting on my TBR for six years. And when I read it, it felt like such a throwback. I didn't know what year it was published. And I texted Dawn and I was like, this feels like love triangle circa 2009, like that YA like thing that went through. And sure enough, I looked up the book and it was published in 2009. So I'm like, yay me. I know my publisher. She nailed it. (laughs) Some people hate a love triangle. I know. I hear about that. You know, you see it in reviews and all of that. People hate a love triangle. I love a well-done love triangle. Love it. So because it's like, who doesn't want to be wanted by everybody and have boys (laughs) fighting over you? Like, that sounds amazing. Um, So, and y'all know I write books with (laughs) Minaj in it. So in my books, there is no triangle because they're all together. But this one really worked for me. Um, I did a big no-no and watched the TV series first, which I never do. I know. Um, and then I read the book, but in this case, I think that worked really well because the show is actually a series. Like they took this relatively short book. It's a YA book. So it's not too long. And they like expanded side characters and added in plot lines and stuff for the show. And it enriched it so much that when I went to the book, I was like, I could picture everything. And even though these side characters in the book didn't get those stories yet, like I saw the the TV show. So I could like picture where they were going. Um, and well worn, it's kind of a cliffhanger ending. I forgot that part about 2009 YA. I was like, really? Luckily, I had bought the other two books. So I'm prepared. <laughs> so you're set. <laughs> I'm already like 20% into the next one. Um, and the first, the series just covers the first book, but it does add in stuff. And it did change a couple of things. It quoted actual dialogue from it. So I really appreciated that. Like there were actual words in the, the series, but where some of the storylines went, they went a different way in the, the series and um, then in the book. And that was fine by me. So now I want all of the books to be made into series and I need them right now. Um, yeah, but, immediately. Yes. But if you need something really light and fun, and I say light, there is a cancer storyline in there. So with in the back, you know, background. So if you are triggered by that, be warned. Um, but it was so good and it just made me feel good inside. And I love those kinds of shows and books. So this is the summer I turned pretty by Jenny Han. Well, and my last recommendation is also based on a book. Okay. It's going to be the complete opposite of what you were just <laughs> talking about. We are, we are, I, sen- so- I sense a theme. I sense a theme. Yeah. <laughs> so this is, I haven't watched it yet. This is, I'm going to watch this after I emotionally recover from the finale of stranger things, but I will. <laughs> intend to watch it this weekend but the terminal list is coming out with chris pratt on amazon prime this weekend so i'm going to have to watch that and it is chris pratt is a soldier whose platoon is all dies on this mission and it's him trying to find out what happened and why Mm. and that kind of thing and it's chris pratt i mean if we want to talk about people being pretty (laughs) i was about to say literally all you said was chris pratt's in it and i really like did not give a care what you were going to say next about what it's about. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, well then I got to watch that. <laughs> yes. So it's Chris Pratt. So it is based on a book series. I have not read the book series, but I wanted to throw that one in there because I'm going to watch that. And then we can talk about it. If it turned out well or not later. So you're doing this in too. You're going to watch the show before the book. Yes. Yes. Cause Chris Pratt's not in the book. So <laughs> <laughs> well, see, here's the thing that that's why it works. Cause you can watch the show 
And then when you read the book, you're picturing Chris Pratt because that's what happened with the summer I turned pretty is that the two guys in the show that play the brothers were really cute, especially the older one. And um, so now when I read the book, I can picture those specific yeah, guys. That image. Yes. yes. Yeah. So it works. Um, all right. Well, those are our watch recommendations. We hope you found something that you want to add to your watch list. Um, and next we have what we have every week, which is our rad reading recs of the week. Dawn, what is your rad rec? <laughs> <laughs> when I looked at these notes, I could not be recommending anything more different than what you are going to recommend. <laughs> okay. So we're going to start off with mine. Of course, my rad wreck of the week would be for you and no one else by Ronnie Loren. That would be my rad wreck of the week, but we already talked about it. So I get to choose another one, but that one will go up on our rad wreck list, which we keep on the website for people who don't know. All of these books are there with links and all of that. So the one that I am recommending is The Darkest Hour by Delaney Foster, because, oh my God, (laughs) this is is the third book in the Obsidian Brotherhood series and needs every trigger warning you could ever imagine. It is dark romance. So you need to be prepared for that. And if you are familiar with Delaney Foster's Obsidian Brotherhood series, you know, some really sketchy stuff's going to happen. So go into that with that in your mind. I'm going to read the um, blurb for it because I think it was just, it's, sums everything up. This is Chandler's story. If you've read the other books, this is Chandler's story. And it involves him becoming involved with a girl who is an actual princess. And I don't want to give anything else away. So here is the blurb. And it is, she was a beloved princess and I was a heartless bastard. I was supposed to save her. I wanted to ruin her. My need for her was sick, twisted. It came from a dark and dangerous place, but I wasn't the only one with sadistic desires. The Brotherhood had plans of its own, a game they wanted to play. They wanted to break me, break her, break us. I dared them to try. This is not a love story. You have been warned. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> but it really is. <laughs> it really, so for our romance readers, you are safe. It's an amazing journey. So that is my recommendation. That is Darkest Hour by Delaney Foster. And now for something completely different. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so my rad wreck, um, this is an audiobook that has sat on my TBR for a year because I had to like kind of pump myself up to read it. It's not the right words, but like I had to prepare myself to read it and be in the right headspace to listen to it. Um, so this is The Only Plane in the Sky, an oral history of September 11th by Garrett M. Graff. This is obviously very difficult listen. Um, and I do recommend it on audio. So be, because it's an oral history, um, it was, I think it was voted the audiobook of the year last year when it came or whatever year it came out. Um, but it takes actual clips like of the president's speeches or the air traffic control, like the actual recordings are interspersed in between all these interviews. And then they have the people who are be talking about it, like firefighters or the person who was the cleaning person at this building, like they all are speaking their parts. So it's a multicast um, thing, but this is the back cover hailed as remarkable, incredibly evocative and compelling in an oral history at its finest. The only plane in the sky is the most vivid and human portrait of September 11th attacks yet. 
comprised of never before published transcripts, recently declassified documents and original interviews and stories from nearly 500 government officials, first responders, witnesses, survivors, friends, and family members. Here is a vivid, profound, and searing portrait of humanity on a day that changed the course of history in all of our lives. So I have a hard time like explaining why somebody should listen to this because it's like, why do you want to put yourself through it? But I feel like everybody should listen to this, especially if you're out there and too young to have been through this or remember it. Um, I think this is like a huge history lesson in the like most vivid way possible, but we did live through it. So, you know, it brought me back to the, that day and it covers, it only covers those, the day of September 11th. So this whole book is from the very start of it till the end of that day. Um, and it jumps, you know, to like, these are people at the Pentagon. These are people who were on the, this, you know, plane or that got put the people on the plane. So it, but it's all in one day. Um, there's an epilogue that covers a little bit after, but you know, focus focused on the day. And it just gave me hope that there are still good people in the world and that we will help each other in crisis because sometimes we need that reminder, I think, um, cause the world can seem really dark, but it was an amazing listening experience. I just prepare yourself for it. I mean, it's obviously not a happy one, but it really is like the power of the human spirit and all those cliches you could say. Um, but it is so well done. And I think it's just so important that we don't forget that this happened mm-hmm. and that these people, you know, these firefighters and everybody like went in and just gave up their lives for people. And I mean, it's an intense listen, but I listened to it really quickly. It was probably two or three days. And um, yeah, I highly recommend it. If you were in the right headspace, um, don't listen to it on a plane. Cause I, I told my husband, he needs to listen to it. And I'm like, not while you're flying, but um, yeah. So that's the only plane in the sky by Garrett M. Graff. We probably should have ended on yours. Cause mine's ending on a big bummer note. <laughs> no because you said it gives us hope it does it really was inspiring it really really was it was like oh like we as americans do have our moments of like standing up for each other and bonding together and not always fighting with each other so anyway yes um that is our episode i think we gave you a lot of things to read watch and listen it's a big stack yes and you are always welcome to hit us up on social media and share with us what you're read, watching and listening, because we are always open for suggestions. Yes. And tell me if you watch any of these, particularly if you, if you enjoy the movies and stuff, we like hearing that or the books. Um, but yeah, tell us on Instagram or any of our social media. And if you're at Book Bonanza, please come by and say hi. Yes. Don't leave us lonely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, you guys, we would tell you what we're doing next time, but we don't know. <laughs> No, we do. We are doing a book bonanza wrap up and it's my birthday. Oh, okay. I didn't realize we were already to your birthday with episodes. So yes. Okay. Yes. We're prepared then. See, we're more prepared than I think. Yes. (laughs) We're we're having a little mini birthday party and we would like to just remind y'all, first of all, since we don't have ads, please go out and check out Ronnie's book. And if you could share us or subscribe to us and like us and rate us and all of those wonderful things that help us get moved up in the podcast ratings, we would greatly, greatly appreciate that as well. Yes. Particularly reviews on Apple podcasts. Those really, really help. And we only have a couple, they're great reviews, but if you want to go over there and just give us a little shout out, that really does help more people see the podcast when they're scrolling through, it gives you a bump up. So we would appreciate it. But Until next time, um, we hope that everything you read or watch is a rad read or watch. And um, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.